Good morning. Well, it's morning for me, probably not morning for you when you're listening to this, but I am a happy girl because my two-year-old Saxon is still asleep and it's 9.30 a.m. That never happens. We usually wake up to him crying or screaming or yelling at like 6.37 in the morning, but last night he was afraid of having spiders in his room, so we had to like check for spiders. It's a new fear nightmare thing, which is so sad, but I will take the late morning wake-ups. So I wanted to talk to you guys today about self-care, and sleep is one of those things, but it's not included in my list. I'm basically going to do a five-day challenge for you guys, five days of spiritual self-care that hopefully will become habits for you in your life that will help you to increase your joy, to increase your contentment, and really just to Take time for yourself, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time. Mamas, I know you don't have a lot of time. Hardworking women and men and college students, you don't have a lot of time. But hopefully as summer approaches and we have a little bit more to spare, you guys will be able to implement these to make your lives sweeter and to make the people around you happier. Because it's like they say on the airplane, you put your mask on first before you put anyone else's on. If you're not taking good care of yourself, everyone around you feels the effects. So I'm really excited about this one. Let's dive in. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. So happy to have you guys here today. So happy just to be here. This is like one of my favorite things in the world to do, honestly, is to record. I've been blogging and writing for about four years on Sparrows and Lily. I do a ton of stuff on Pinterest, which I love. But when I sit down to record, it's just like, I feel like I'm with my friends (laughs) and I'm hanging out with you guys and just to share the wisdom that so many people have poured down into me and having the opportunity to share those things with all of you and the things that God has taught me is just such a blessing. And I'm so thankful that Jesus has given me the opportunity to Um, just have this community. You guys are amazing and I'm so thankful for you. If you guys found me through Jenny Lesko, we just recently did a giveaway and it was wonderful. I just want to say thank you for taking a chance and listening and following along. Uh, It means the world and I hope that you enjoy it and that you're blessed by it and encouraged by it and that you allow God to change your heart and your life through his word that is shared. So let's begin. I want to jump in to the spiritual self-care challenge. So day one of spiritual self-care, and you guys can write this down. 
Um, It helps to write things down because it makes it more tangible and it makes us, I think, more accountable to it. So you can write them down. But day one is going to be to do a good deed. So there are so many opportunities for this right now. Let's be honest. It is really, really easy to become self-centered in this season and to allow ourselves to sit in our sorrows or our frustrations. But when we are constantly looking at ourselves in the mirror, we lose sight of what's outside of us. And I will dare to say, you guys, that there are a few things more dangerous or isolating than someone who doesn't see or look outside of themselves. And so I think, and even outside of our own family, because it is important to obviously place our family as our own ministry and as our top priority ministry. But we also have to look outside at our neighbors and our friends and our family and even people we don't know and how we can love them well. And when we're so focused inward, when we're so focused on our home, as I always say, our home should be a refuge for the world, not from the world, that when our home is a refuge from the world and we stay inside and keep to ourselves, we really lose sight of what other people around us need. And you guys, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, right? And if we're living to reflect his life, which is my heart's desire and my life goal (laughs) is to be that good and faithful servant, then I want to love those people outside of me. And so this takes intentionality, but how can you do it one day a week? right? So say you go and knock on the door and get to know the names of your neighbors. I know it's awkward. I did it at my last house. (laughs) I wasn't planning to share this story, but I'll share it really quickly. So I was challenged by a pastor actually to get to know my neighbors. And so we had this little magnet that had like kind of the shape of a neighborhood and you would fill in on it with a dry erase marker, the names of your neighbors. So you would remember them and care about them and pray for them. And so I took Sutton, because Saxon was still baby, I took Sutton to these neighbor's house and we would knock on the door and say hello. And (laughs) one neighbor, we went and I had baked her a blueberry pie and I knocked on the door and she looked out and like would not open the door. And I was like, hi, I mean, I'm with my son, which I understand. People are weird. Things are weird nowadays. So you have to be cautious, but I mean, I don't feel like I look super threatening anyway. And so she was like, hi. And I said, I have a pie for you. She's like, who are you? And I was like, oh, I've lived in that house right there for about a year, which is bad guys that she didn't know who I was. We've lived there for a year. And she like slowly creeps out of the door and she was like, wait, where do you live? Show me. I mean, she wasn't rude, but she was very cautious. She had two boys too. So I get it. She's like, wait, where do you live? Show me where you live. And I was like, okay. And just wanting to run back to my house because I'm like, this didn't go how I thought. And so I go, I'm like showing her where I'm like, see, we have the white car. My husband is Jesse and blah, blah, blah. We moved in at this time. And she's like, huh? Yeah. Okay. And she wants me to walk back to my house and go inside the door. And so at this point, I'm like, all right this is ridiculous. I promise I live there. And so I start naming like the other neighbors and I'm like, this is just a pie for you. I promise it's safe. (laughs) Like it's good. And she takes it very, very hesitantly. Like she was not wanting to take it. So with that said, people, I've been in the awkward situation that you might be in when you go and knock on the door. Some people do not want someone at their door, but that's okay. At least you made the effort. At least you're striving to love your neighbors. But if you get to know them and their names, um, our new neighborhood has been so much different than that. Like everyone comes outside and talks and 
Our neighbor across the street bakes us. She's a professional baker and she bakes us goodies all the time. Hence why I'm gaining all the poundage right now in isolation. Our next door neighbors, like we just love them so much. And so we've been able to meet people. And then we do have a family across the street where she's battling cancer. And so she is immunodeficient. And so um, we've reached out to them to get groceries during this time so that they don't have to go outside and but I wouldn't have known that had we not walked across the street, Sutton and I baked donuts when we first moved in and we took them door to door to people to meet them and just told them like, hey, we're new. We don't know anyone. Like, I mean, I know it's so 1950s kind of style to do that, but I think we need to go back there. Don't you? I just, I feel so strongly about that. So that's my little rant. Get to know your neighbors. If you're in an apartment complex, knock on a few doors around you, just introduce yourself and be that light, be the light in your neighborhood, in your community. So what can you do to serve your neighbors one day a week? And if you wake up and you're like, this is my Monday, Monday I serve, and it's just one thing, you can go and pick up a coffee for your next door neighbor and just drop it by. You can go and get a thing of flowers for them just to make them feel loved. One of my friends told me that she has a boy in her neighborhood who gathered all of his neighbor's emails and his mom takes him for a grocery run each week. So he emails the neighbors and asks if there's anything that they need and then he collects the money before he goes. This is a huge, huge help, especially to older families. And then to moms. I'm even thinking like during the week, if someone would do that for us and be like, now we have grocery pickup, but... I mean, honestly, that would be so convenient if someone's like, hey, each week I'm going to go grab some groceries. It would be such a blessing to any family. And so there are so many things you can do. You can bake cookies for families. You can write notes and stick them to people's windows just to bring joy to them in this time. But not only now, because this is such a sweet thing to begin and to follow through with yourself or your family as the days go on. And so once isolation is over, Can you offer to babysit for a couple who maybe needs a break, who needs a date night? We are desperate for a date night, you guys. That's probably what I'm most excited about once isolation is over. But can you send $5 via Venmo to someone that you don't have access to who could use a coffee? Can you mail a letter? Sutton received a letter in the mail from his cousin, and it was honestly like the happiest day of his isolation so far because he checks the mail every day. But even for me, I'm like, I would love to receive a handwritten letter. And so I've written a couple of them just to, I don't know, bring that joy and that nostalgia to people because I think that's really sweet. So anyways, there are so many ways to get outside of ourselves and serve others. Pay it forward, pay for someone's coffee behind you in the drive-thru if that's easiest. But really, I challenge you to get to know the people around you because the Bible calls us to love our neighbors. And there's a, there's a reason that that term is specifically used. You'll feel refreshed and you'll feel joyful once you've done it. So I promise, try it. That is day one. Day two is to fast and pray. So let's talk about fasting. I haven't talked about this on the podcast and not much on my blog either. I'm not sure why, but I want to discuss why people fast. So fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater. So namely God and his work in our lives. So fasting is typically from food and that's what I'm referencing. But then we also see with things like Lent where you give up something 
And the purpose isn't just to give it up to make yourself better. Like I'm going to give up soda so that I don't have as much sugar. The purpose ultimately is to set our eyes on Jesus and take our eyes off of the thing that we're kind of obsessing over. And food tends to be something that people really love and obsess over me 1000%. And so, um, the purpose of it is to really reset our perspective, to reset our thinking, and to shift our focus back onto what's important. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And meaning like, I look so exhausted because I haven't eaten and they want everyone around them to know. But Jesus says, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And this also goes alongside giving. So Matthew 6, 3 says, just kind of going back to that, this is an important verse. But when you give to the needy or when you give as a whole, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your rewards are in heaven when you do these things, when you give. Don't announce it to the world because that's your reward. Like when someone claps for you and they they say, great job, wow, you're so thoughtful or you're so giving, da, 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 da. That's your reward. So let your reward be in heaven because the Bible says consistently, don't let other people know what's going on give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret. Like this is between you and me and it makes it authentic, right? It makes it real. Um, and we're not just doing it for the praise of other people, which can be a huge struggle for sure. So that's just my challenge to you that if you are going to be doing these things, make sure that you're doing them with the right motive because motive is important to Jesus. So one thing we want to see in Matthew 6 is that it doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. So this is a command given by God for us to fast. So if you're a Christian, are you fasting? Like this is this is a command, just like he tells us, God tells us to rest. He's also telling us to fast. And it's for so many good, good reasons because when we look throughout scripture, we see that many of the times that people are fasting, they then hear from God. And It's so real for me, at least, because when I fast, it's a constant realization that I'm starving because I'll fast all day. And it's this realization, I'm so hungry. And so in the times that I would go and get a snack or eat, I open the word and I just really pray like, Lord, speak to me during this time. And I'm, I, it's like the distractions and the fog that maybe food can bring and that comfort that it can bring breaks away. And so it's a time to break that idol of comfort when we fast and to remember who our help comes from. It's a reminder that our hope, our provision, our replenishment all come from Christ alone. And he provides all that we have, you guys. He provides our money. He provides our food. He provides our shelter. Like without him, we're not guaranteed anything. And so, yes, we work very, very hard, but he is the giver of all good things. And so this helps us to see that. And then also going back to the not impressing, when we're not trying to impress people by the things that we're doing, it gives us as Christians like a radically Godward focus. And in that sense, fasting is a really good test for us and a confirmation that God is real to us because in many situations, God's the only person who's going to know that we're fasting. And so it's not about anything but us and God. Do we believe 
that he will provide? Do we believe that he's the living water and that he replenishes us and refills us? You guys, if you're not hearing from God in this season of quarantine, if you feel like you're reading and you're praying, but you're depleted and you're broken on day two, take the day to fast. Or you can do one meal if a full day is not realistic. Like somebody with diabetes, obviously we're not going to say, oh yeah, fast all day. That's not wise. You need to be wise and discerning about when is a realistic time for you to fast. And it's not, hey, I've already been intermittent fasting. And so, cause that's me, I don't eat breakfast anyways. And so that'll work. Like, no, do it at a time when you usually have food because it's a sacrifice for us to realize like I'm sacrificing this for a gain of Christ. And so you can do a meal, two meals, three meals, decide it in your heart and commit to what you're able to do and ask somebody to hold you accountable because sometimes it's really easy to just be like, oh, I did great. (laughs) But when I tell Jesse like, hey, I'm fasting today. Can you hold me accountable? It just helps because you have that extra set of eyes who just like love you. And obviously that's not like pronouncing it to the world. That's just my husband knowing where I'm at. And so we have to realize with fasting, that it's not a replacement for our faith in Jesus. We don't just do this all the time and say, okay, I'm religious. Like I love God because I fast. It's the opposite. Fasting is a servant of faith in Jesus. It's a way of us saying with our stomach and our whole body, how much we need and want and trust Jesus. It's a way of saying that we're not going to be enslaved by food as the source of our satisfaction. We will use the renunciation of food from time to time to express that Jesus is greater than food. Jesus is more needful for us than food. John Piper said, Christian fasting is not a belittling of the good gift of food. It is simply a heartfelt, body felt exclamation point at the end of the sentence. I love you, God. I need you more than I need food, more than I need my life. So guys, do you want to hear from God? Do you feel distant or disconnected? Are you longing to know him more and deeper? Are you fighting to break bad habits or addictions? Echo the heart of Jeremiah. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Mourn over what you're obsessing about or addicted to. Mourn like, Lord, this is breaking me. This is destroying me. This is wrecking my relationship with you. Whether it's an addiction or whether it's just like filling your time with mindless scrolling on your phone, whatever it is that's distracting you, mourn over the fact that that's distancing you, repent of it, which means to ask for forgiveness and turn from your ways, let it go and stop allowing those things, food or other things to dictate or control your life. So we must have an active faith. This is not a religious act. This is saying, God, I am doing this to know you deeper while implementing fasting into a weekly spiritual practice. So that's my encouragement. I wanted to talk a little bit more on that because the other ones aren't going to be as lengthy, but I just, I really wanted to touch on that because I do feel like it's such an important part of our Christianity and our lives. Okay. Day three, express gratitude and write it down. So one of my friends I love so much often shares that she really struggles with feeling like she's continuously just negative. Like she can only focus on the hard things, on the bad things. And so I'm going to be publishing an episode shortly about fighting unhappiness. But I asked everyone on my Facebook group if what they would like to hear about, and this was the one that they chose the most of. 
So if you guys aren't part of my Facebook group yet, it's full of a few hundred women um, where we just, I kind of check in on them. I do polls about episodes and I'm also going to be incorporating weekly questions based off of the episode. So you're not just walking away like, oh, that was great. I learned, but I'm going to have implementable, actionable questions that will help you to really think through the podcast episode throughout the week. So you could just go to Living Easy with Lindsay on Facebook and request to be part of the group. Okay, so anyway, with that said, writing down what is good is such a great start to shifting our mindset into feeling thankful. Because especially right now, you guys, people are frustrated. Like I cannot even get on Facebook to read about what people are feeling because it's just a lot. People are mad. Like they're mad at the governor. They're mad at the president. They're mad at other people who won't stay home. Like there are so many differing opinions and they're mad. And when I get on there, I'm kind of just like, man, what a way to live. Like I'm just going to take it day by day and try to be thankful for the days that I have. Not to say I haven't whined and complained to my friends who are close to me because I'm struggling with my kids that day. Like we're potty training Saxon right now and there are days where it's perfect and he doesn't have any accidents. And then there are days where he literally has forgotten that he's potty trained and has accidents all day. And so those days are strenuous for me and I feel frustrated and I'm like, I want out of the stinking house. I want to have like a spa day with my friends and just take a deep breath. Like it's been a really, really hard week. And so I'm not saying you're not allowed to have hard times because you're human. You're going to like, we're sinners. We're going to find frustration and things. We're going to find negativity and things. But when we can fight to see the good, it changes things. And so writing anything down, like I said before, makes it tangible. So I really, really challenge you guys to write these things down. Wake up in the morning on day three, write down the things that you're thankful for. Write down the good. And it can be something as simple as a blanket that keeps you warm at night or 30 minutes for time to read. Like, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for what I have. Or something as huge as having a roof over your head and healthy children those things we become so entitled to. Don't you think? Like, I have a a pretty house, but I want it prettier. Or, yeah, I have healthy kids, but I want them to be perfectly well-behaved. I think writing down what we're thankful for helps us to strip everything down to the bare minimum and to see how sweet that bare minimum is that it doesn't have to be this extravagant, beautiful home that we live in, or our kids don't have to be perfectly well-behaved. But if we have a roof over our head and food on our table and kids who are healthy and loved, what a blessing that is. And to write down like, Lord, thank you for those things helps to shift our heart and our perspective for the entire day. This is something I would encourage doing every single day, but if you're not able, do it on day three. Day four, unplug. So I reference this episode so many times because it's one of my most downloaded episodes and seems to have impacted the most people, but it is called six ways your phone is changing you. And I am talking about the effects that your phone has on you short-term and long-term and how it's affecting the people around you, your mind, your heart, your soul, because what we consume is often what we pour back out. So So I just want to challenge you to unplug from your phone for a day. If you can, unplug from your email as well. This is great for Sundays. That's typically when I do it. I'll just shut my phone off. And not to say, I will turn it on sometimes just to check on my text messages from friends and family. But a lot of the time I'll let them know like, hey, I don't have my phone with me. 
Or sometimes I don't (laughs) and I just shut my phone off and everyone's like, hello, where are you? But I am not a slave to my phone and you guys are not slaves to your phones either. And to shut it off for the day really helps to see for the week. Like I don't need it attached to my hand as often, but it also just helps us to practice slowness. And I was actually just listening to a podcast yesterday where a guy was talking to someone and trying to help him understand the importance of prayer and meditation. And the guy responded to him by saying like, hey, I love that you do that, but it's just not possible for me. Meditation does not work for me because my mind is always racing with so many thoughts and I can relate to that. Like I have tried to sit in stillness and one, I grab my phone and I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize I grabbed my phone. It's so habitual. Um, Or I just start thinking about a hundred million things and like stressing and getting anxiety. But the guy responded and said, it's a practice. Like you, you, of course, it's not going to be natural, especially with someone who has this internal dialogue like I do and like probably so many of my women listeners do where you're constantly talking back and forth with yourself and thinking of best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. And the people who don't have that internal dialogue, I do not, I do not get you, but I admire you (laughs) so much (laughs) because I would sometimes do anything to shut those thoughts off. But that's what that meditation and prayer time does. And it doesn't have to look like, crazy like cross legs and um you know it's that doesn't need to be it it can be a time of prayer and just stillness and like hearing from the lord and just being thankful for what you have but not allowing your mind to run rampant and so if you unplug and just allow yourself to be bored and allow yourself to sit in that quietness and that stillness even if it's for 20 minutes 30 minutes it becomes a habitual practice for you to allow slowness and then hopefully in time it will break that cycle of filling your mind with things that don't need to be there. Okay, day five, read a book of the Bible and start a study with some friends. So accountability is huge. I've already mentioned this, but it really is so important for me and my personal walk. When I'm held accountable, it's probably the like the achiever in me, but when someone knows that I'm doing something and supposed to be doing something, I'm way more likely to complete it. But also when we're doing it alongside people, it's easier for us to stay in the rhythm and to follow through rather than when we're just doing it on our own. That's why people run together and why churches have community groups. Like when we come alongside each other, we strengthen and build one another up. And so one thing that I am so excited about when all of this is over is just having a few of my friends. So one thing I'm really excited about when all of this isolation stuff is over is having a few friends at my house for a Bible study, um, probably like once a month just doing a brunch. It is something I used to do. And when I had Saxon, I just kind of like stopped doing it. And I've missed it so much. And during this time, I've just thought about all the things I want to do once it's over. And that's one thing. But what can start right now with you guys is doing like a Zoom Bible study. So even if you gather one or two friends and you just say, hey, let's read the book of James. That's one of my favorite books. We'll like read the book of James and we'll do a page at a time or a chapter at a time and discuss it and talk about what's impacting us. And having women who pour into your life or men who for men, <laughs> women for women, men for men, um, or couple with couple, like we love doing couple community groups or couple studies. So if you come alongside each other and just say like, hey, this is what we're battling with. It's so nice sometimes to just have someone come alongside and say, oh, me too. Like you're not alone. And 
that is just, it's really freeing for people. Having their wisdom pour into you and your wisdom to pour into them because the spirit speaks differently to all of us through God's word. And so it's kind of just that question of like, what is God teaching you through this? What did you see? And what did I see? And it's really cool to see the differences, but it's also good to be challenged in the way that you study, the way that you dig in. And that fellowship is just crucial and important. So read a book of the Bible and start a study with some friends for day five. And that can be every Friday or every Saturday you wake up and you have a 30 minute study or or when the kids go to bed, you settle down, get cozy and have your study. Just making it happen is so important. So we have day one. This is for the spiritual five-day challenge. Day one, do a good deed. Day two, prayer and fasting. Day three, express gratitude and write it down. Day four, unplug and meditate and pray. Day five, read a book of the Bible and start a study with some friends. Okay, guys, so I recorded the spiritual, emotional, and physical self-help tips together, but it was about an hour long of an episode, and I realize right now not everyone has all of that time to listen to a podcast, and I really want you all to consider what was said in this episode and take actionable steps to make those habits of yours. So with that said, I'm going to publish the emotional and physical self-help tips next week. So I am talking about sex with your spouse. I am talking about my skincare regimen and what you can purchase for your own. I'm talking about brain dumping in order to be more productive and relaxed and all of the things. So next week, tune in to the physical and emotional self-help tips. And I hope you all enjoy this two-part series. Love you guys. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.